Um, hi, this is uh, uh, Liam Black again with one of our podcasts. And today the letter is M, M for mentor. And I'm joined by two uh, good mates of mine, uh, Lucy Adams, Hello. who's the managing director of Firehouse, which is a London-based communications agency, growing reputation as a speaker and a writer. And she was until last year the HR director of the BBC and sat on the exec board there for five years during five unbelievably tumultuous um, years with four different director generals, or is it directors general? It's directors general, believe it or not. Directors general. The Savile Affair, the move of, uh, the controversial move of lots of people to Salford from London, just lots and lots of stuff going on. Before that was the Group HR director at Serco. Uh, the multinational PLC, which delivers government contracts, sometimes quite controversially, um, uh, all over the world. It's fantastic to have you with us, uh, Lucy. And uh, Ronnie Hughes, um, Renaissance man, blogger, mentor, social entrepreneur, um, advisor to social businesses um, all over the country, um, and co-founder of uh, his company, A Sense of Place, which he's been running for 20 years in Liverpool, and also, as we'll find out in this uh, uh, podcast, uh, was a really important mentor to me in the mid-90s when I got my first CEO role um, in social enterprise. So, Lucy, what's your experience, good and bad, of mentoring and being a mentor? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had um, mentors, uh, and I can never really tell the difference between mentor or coach, so I'll use that sort of yeah. interchangeably, but... Um, I know the HR purists will say that that isn't the case, but for me... Please do write in and we'll ignore your letters, (laughs) HR purists. (laughs) HR, you know, mentor, coach, whatever. It's all that kind of stuff. But um, I've had some fantastic mentors in in my life. I've always tended to have more than one on the go at the time because actually I think the idea of a life guru who Mm. you go to with all your issues... I've always found that there were people who were immensely helpful on some personal stuff or there were people who were very good in a kind of on a particular issue or um, if, if I think about one in particular, it would be it when I was in my first line management role and my boss at the time um, was just fantastic because what he used to do, which I think is really smart, is that he would um, kind of give me space to experiment, but not enough sort of rope to hang myself so he would just at the moment where I might be about to really cock up he would sort of sort of enable me to get out of that situation Um, but he'd also take the time before and after a meeting or whatever we were going to do he'd just say what do you want to get from this Mm. and it would make me stop and think and then afterwards he'd say so how do you think that went (laughs) you know (laughs) and I remember Mm. one time I'd I'd gone in there was a union leader who uh, was being really tricksy and I'd really wiped the floor with this guy and felt very proud of myself and he said you know so how do you how do you think that went and I said well bloody marvelous we got what we wanted actually I think the guy's a dick and I made him look like a dick and he said and how do you think he's going to keep reacting to you then in subsequent meetings and it was just a very simple question and it was just this oh shit moment of course he was absolutely right this guy made my life hell and but he was just the, the killer question the timely reflection he was just fantastic hugely supportive um so i've had good people like him and i've had coaches that i've paid for yeah. that i really wish i hadn't who would sit there and do the nodding 
head bit, mm. you know, on the side and then do the... How does that make you how feel? How does that make you feel? <laughs> it makes me feel like I want to stab you. Yeah. That's how it makes me actually, feel. Because actually, I like people to tell me what they think. So, you oh, know, actually that kind cool. of directive style, I think, is great. And that's how, when I'm mentoring people, I'm very clear that I'm not going to do the how do you feel about that stuff. I'm going to do the mm. I think that's great. I personally wouldn't do that. And they can choose whether they like it or not. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I just find yeah. that sort of facilitated coaching style a bit painful. Mm. Ronnie? I didn't used to know I was doing mentoring. I mean, we'll, we'll no doubt talk a bit about you and me in a bit. But um, early on, we would never get taken on for that. We'd get taken on for something respectable like leadership team development. <laughs> um, but Sarah noticed after a while. Something you can put on an invoice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sarah noticed after a while, not just with you, but with pretty well, uh, there was one stage we were working with several. It wasn't big, just me. It wasn't just Julian. No, 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 sorry. Sorry to be the dad. Oh, my God. Sorry, I wasn't actually your dad. Um, <laughs> but she said, there's that thing you keep doing, going and having cups of tea or sitting in cafes with the leaders of these places that we work for. And so then I thought, oh, right, this is what I'm doing. Now, at first I thought that, and I enjoyed that. It was it was very deeply rewarding. But I thought that I would only do it with people of similar to my age. I know you're years younger than yeah, me, of Yeah, please. But, um, only you could see us, dear listener. Yes. <laughs> but um, actually, I, I now I get a great deal of reward from mentoring all ages, but particularly young people. And... I think I've found recently that... Young being... Young being... 40s? Or... <laughs> 19, 20. You know, really very young people. People I would have previously thought, you don't really need me, you just need to go and get some experience. But if people ask me now, and sometimes they do, you know, I'm quite happy to go and have a cup of tea with somebody, you know, a third my age. And I think what I've found is mentoring is different with people at different ages. I think that what Lucy said about the well, I wouldn't do that for a kickoff. Is is good for people who mm. have the resilience and the experience to take that. With the young people, I certainly don't do the, um, how would you feel about that? Have you got a dead dad in the cupboard you'd like to bring out? <laughs> um, <laughs> but but I, I, I will talk less about myself and my own experience because with the younger a person is, the more they think the world has only just started because for them it has. So... I need to be very careful with my listening with them to know which bits of all of these years are going to be of any use to them. If I just sit there and tell them my life story, that's no use to them. Mm. You know, it's how can I best interact with them? You know. So I, I think it's brilliant because you, you were mentored by Ronnie for how long, Liam? Three or four years? Yeah. Must four have been. or five. Yeah, yeah four yeah, or five, yeah, easily. So I think I just want to explore, because it's not often you get mentor and mentee, mentee in the, the same room. The old man and the young man in the same room, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so what was it about Ronnie? Did you, did you Were you consciously seeking him as a mentor? What was it about him that you... I think at the beginning I wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, so it was 1997. I just got my first CEO role, took over as the uh, CEO of the Furniture Resource mm -hmm. Centre, taking over from a very charismatic, high-profile mm -hmm. um, founder. And the company had a lot of work that needed to be doing um, on it. And so the first sorts of conversations were about HR and that sort of stuff. But they sort of 
seamlessly morphed into, wow, I don't know what to do here. I'm feeling a bit scared of this. What would you do if you were sitting where I am? Uh, walks around the park, all of those sorts of things. And I think, um, I don't think at any point we said, do you know what, Ronnie, you're my mentor now. No. Um, and, and, and to some extent, it was writing this book that made me really, really think about those days. And I featured Ronnie in the book and, and Graham Morris, who was you know another scouser, but couldn't be more different to Ronnie if you know they come from different planets in terms of background and politics and stuff. And he he was great on the commercial side of things. Where Ronnie was really really helpful to me was on you know getting to know myself, helping me ask the right questions. I think really importantly, helping to sort out what was really important and what was just a pain in the ass or felt really really urgent or was someone else's drama being foisted upon me and I was reacting and what to was that. it about Ronnie that you thought actually he could help me that's a great question I think the uh, you know he he's I mean god a long time ago wasn't it <laughs> nearly 20 years ago yeah, yeah. still uh, at that even even then had that quietness that I think ability to listen ability to um suggest potential ways forward without pushing me down mm. one was definitely that liked red wine a lot so <laughs> it was, uh, maybe there's another book to be written about alcohol and mentoring <laughs> yeah, yeah. i don't know but there was it was somebody you could see yourself spending time it was with, someone yeah. i could see my spend time but he he was uh very passionate about the company uh, having got inside and helped be some of the architect particularly around the so the he knew some that, of the issues that he you knew were going the issues through. very intimately knew the context very very well uh, liverpool the politics of liverpool which were you know very important to the survival of any enterprise in uh, in merseyside so i think it was a combination of that the background in social housing a lot of the customers of the company were social landlords so that mm. there was a kind of a, a, a knowledge based upon the market we were in, the context we were in, and then the personality, which was one that was very keen to listen. Uh, I felt, I, I felt loved. I felt mm. when I would walk into his house, you know, I could be myself, and I didn't have to be the, you know, the CEO of uh, of the so company. So something about a safe place as well. Definitely, very, yeah. very yeah. much so. Yeah. I mean, I've only met Ronnie today, but. Um, and I know you quite well. Yeah. So, you, but you do seem quite different characters. Was, was Graham different again? Was that were you consciously going for people who had qualities that you didn't didn't feel you possessed and therefore wanted to emulate? Certainly, with so Graham's background was he was the he he had had his uh, career in the car industry at the senior echelons of that, and he was. Um, his final sort of CEO role was of Bentley and Rolls Royce and Bentley. He was about fifty then, maybe mid forties. Yeah. Didn't particularly have to work again. He uh, had he'd been clever with his money. It sounds like you were very smart in your choice of mentors, working without any. Yeah, and with Ronnie, so I think with Graham, it was very, you know, I can claim total credit for that. I spotted him. I went for him. But I think with Ronnie and the mentoring relationship, that was much more serendipity, wasn't it? Yeah, and. We didn't do that thing of set clear boundaries. We didn't. We didn't. And and we couldn't have done. We could look back now and say that the way it ended, that we'll no doubt get to talk about, would have been better if we'd set clear mm. boundaries. Yeah. But we didn't know what we were doing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that out loud, Ronnie. <laughs> Early on, when when we stopped, when our, when our conversation, if you like, dropped below the radar from about 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 the, what we were supposed to be working about the first thing 
I noticed Liam saying to a few other people that made me realise, oh, we've got somewhere different here now. He said, Ronnie is happy to inhabit, is happiest to inhabit the unknowing. Did I say that? Yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's the title of my next book. (laughs) 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 And and so I, I knew then that we were going somewhere, but... We didn't know we were mentor and mentee. Probably no. neither of us knew those words. We knew we were making up what this social enterprise could do, along with all of the others as well. But there was a, a quiet core in the middle of this that would think things through. That's, that might make my next question uh, slightly redundant, but um, answer it anyway. <laughs> Which <laughs> Nothing is... like flagging that up. Because <laughs> um, if you're unsure about, you know, you hadn't given it a name, you hadn't given it a title. Yeah. But on some level, you must have realised that he was coming to you yeah. for help. Yeah, yeah. And what made you think you could help him? Arrogance. <laughs> <laughs> He's a scouser. Yeah. So it was no. actually the kind of benefit you felt you were giving him the benefit of your wisdom and understanding. Yes. I, the reason I ask is that occasionally I'm asked to mentor people, and there's always a bit of me that thinks, "Oh God, oh. I don't know how I can yeah, help these yeah. people." Yeah. You know, they're so bright and smart, and and so on. And and, yeah. and so you actually have to have a bit of ego, I suppose. I to think be a you good do. Mentor. I think you do. But also, don't forget that I absolutely loved what the organisation was doing. You know, the first time we met after it, Liam was at the big issue, but the first time we met when he was the chief executive of FRC, we went round the factory, we talked to everybody, we looked down through these windows at this huge, lively place, and Liam told me who all these people were, how long they'd been unemployed before they got here, how many of these people were going on to, to permanent jobs and what they were learning to do here. And I used to say, you could turn this place any way you like, upside down, there is nothing wrong with it. And you hardly ever find that in your yeah, life. Yeah. So I knew I knew that I was doing really quite sacred work at the centre of this. And it didn't really matter what the work was called. If, if, if I could help them, and if also I could help Liam and help him not do some things... So what kind of things did you help him not to do? He... He did have a leadership team that didn't know how to manage their way out of a wet echo. Really. <laughs> <laughs> the echo is the uh, Liverpool newspaper, yeah. by the way, for those yeah. who are not familiar yeah. with the details yeah. of Liverpool life. And so th- that, had to, that had to change. He had to find new people and he had to either find other things for the other people to do or they had to leave. And it was a very, very difficult time for Liam because he, he mostly liked these people. Not all, but mostly. And so our conversations, some of them would be about being decent with people. And, you know... I, on, on that, so I remember sitting in your front room and to, I, I remember thinking, how do we stay true to our values and I want to get rid of this person? Mm. I remember you saying, well, you get rid of that person in a way that's true to your values. Mm. It's not yeah. that you stop your values in order to get rid of someone. Yeah, yeah. And do it in that way. And I remember the other, the other thing you said was... But they won't thank you for it, but that's all right. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think, what do you say in the book, don't you, you know, hire slowly, get rid fast. Well, I think those days, neither of us quite have the confidence to get rid fast. But we did get rid carefully. And I think at the time, a lot of people, some of the people didn't thank him for it. Over time, I know some of them do, Mm. because I still know them. Yeah. Um, they yeah. went on to do something that was better for them yeah. and feel that they were helped by the experience. You mentioned then that, that actually whilst you didn't 
call it mentoring um, when when you first got going, and and the it was much more evolutionary than that, and it developed and grew as your friendship grew and so on. Um, but you alluded to the fact that actually it might have been helpful at the end to have had some boundaries or some structure. Can you just talk about that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think with any company relationship, there comes a time when it when it's over. And we didn't really recognise that time. I think one of the reasons it finished, and Liam might have an entirely different view of this, I think we maintained this close friendship mentoring throughout the time even when he had a good leadership team and since it didn't have a mentoring badge on they wondered I suspect why me and Liam had this mm. yeah, close relationship true. so I think it caused a certain amount of jealousy with the mm. others and I think that that was a little bit of a poison I think when we finished it was the time you know yeah. really Liam was surrounded by people who could do the job and I think it, 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 it damaged our friendship a little bit for a couple of years. It did. Mm. It did. Um, but what would your take on that, yeah. that episode? I, I, I think that's absolutely right. I, 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 you know, the, you know, in retrospect, we probably should have put some Invoices language around it to, <laughs> yeah. to make it clear to people. Yeah. But I think that the kind of the relationship that I developed with Ronnie in those first couple of years when he was apart from Alison, who I, I mentioned in the book, Alison Ball, the one person in a really shifting uh, uh, landscape that I could really, really rely on. And when we then had built a, a pretty robust uh, leadership team, I did, I did, I did, I could have conversations with him that I couldn't have with the leadership team. And we should have, hmm. yeah, we should have badged it up yeah, uh, differently. Yeah. And so it, and because of that, because the company was growing and changing, it kind of came to a bad end um, and then for a couple of years we were like, well, you know, I won't talk. But we've resurrected that, yeah, well, you know, in good. recent years, which has been a source of great joy um, to me. Uh, yeah. To, yeah. To what are honest. the things that irritate you when people ask you to mentor them now? That they don't know why. They don't know why, and they don't. They kind of expect. Uh, yeah, of course I will. You know, uh, uh, are you free next Wednesday morning? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they're not respectful of your time, and they're yeah. not clear about what it is. The thing that irritates me most, and it, it doesn't happen now because I can't actually do anything for anyone's career anymore. But <laughs> when when I was oh, a, I've got, I've got know, a CD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I was Too a highly late, successful HR director of, uh, of Days Gone By. I know that people, some people were wanting me to mentor them because it was a route for promotion, mm. um, that it would get them noticed if I knew them mm. and I could mention their names. So it was a sort of almost a sort of, you know, I need a leg up in this organisation and you can help me achieve that. And and that always felt a little bit unfair that, that actually I would do that, you know, mm. and so I, that used to irritate me a bit. And also the... Yeah, you're really busy, aren't you? And you could, you've only got so many hours in the day. And mm. so, so I would try and say, look, We'll do two or three sessions, you know, and and then actually we'll take a then we'll take a, a mm. view, and mm. and usually actually they'd, they'd emptied my brain by then anyway, so that <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't have much <laughs> more to give after three, but um, but I think you no, know, being really clear what you want, yeah, you were saying earlier on, you know, a coach or a mentor, whatever you call them, sometimes there's a a time limit to that. You know, mm. I've got this particular project, I've got this particular mm. issue, you can help me about that, and it's going to take three meetings, yeah. Other relationships are more ongoing, more fluid. Yeah. But I think being really clear about what you think the terms of engagement 
might be with the person you want to mentor is very important. Yeah. And the other thing is just ask. Yeah. But ask in the right way, ask for the right things, but ask. Mm. I think that the sorts of person who is would be good at being a mentor, particularly for a younger um, entrepreneur, are the, is the sort of person that won't bite your head off, but will give you a... Um, an honest answer. Yeah. You know, I get asked that so many times by young entrepreneurs. How do I get a mentor, Liam? And the, and the answer is ask, but ask the right person at the right time and for you know, real clarity about what you think the terms of engagement are. Great. So um, I know it's a bit of a hackneyed thing, but I think there is there is value in this question. What advice would you give to the 20? Would you give yourself at 20? Let me really, really phrase that because that was rubbish, wasn't it? What advice would you give to the 20-year-old Lucy and to the 20-year-old Ronnie? I would just say go with your gut. You know, I just think the times when I've had the most energy, the times when I've been the most courageous, the times actually when things have worked out for the best is when I've really listened to what my gut was telling me and I've gone with it, even though it was scary. I've written mine down because I wanted to be sure about it. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask. Yes. Yeah. So this is to me. Since you were 12, you've known what you wanted to do. You wanted to make housing conditions better and sort out homelessness. I did know that really early on. Good. So you're on the track of work you will love. As you now do that, work out what bits of it you absolutely love. There will be no doubt mistaking them when they turn up. You will see them. But also look out for the bits that you really don't love. As your experience grows... Work on filling your job with as much of the stuff you love as you can. Try and avoid wrong turns, especially ones that tempt you with temporarily higher pay. In the end, your true fortune, even if it's not financial, will come from doing the work you love. It's what you'll always be best at. But know also that what you love will change over time. So your life is likely to be a linked sequence of occupations. But if you can be doing work you love as much as possible, then it probably won't feel like work at all. Lucy and Ronnie, thank you very much. Thanks, Liam. You've been listening to a podcast from the series The Social Entrepreneurs A to Z, hosted by Liam Black and produced by Pioneers Post. To order your copy of the book and for more information, visit pioneerspost.com or subscribe on iTunes. <laughs>